I'm Ava Hartling. Welcome to The Brennis Female. I created this podcast so that powerful women would share their journey to unlocking their own potential to empower others and to inspire change. If you like the show today, please subscribe, rate, and review on the app of your choice. I also love hearing from you, so please share all of your feedback and comments using any social platform or send me an email at ava at This week, my guest is Nora Sakija, CEO and co-founder of jewelry brand Misery. Misery has been disrupting the jewelry industry through its direct-to-consumer approach and its focus on entry price points, launching what is now called the rise of the demi-fine category. Nora has been quite the visionary, turning from her background as an engineer to imagining and then launching a jewelry brand that caters to self-purchasing women specifically, offering items that are often based on crowdsourced designs and always at appealing prices. The company has grown rapidly thanks in part to an an injection of capital from VC investors, with the last round famously raised by Nora while she was pregnant with twins and which led her to obtain a sizable $23 million investment. The future is bright for misery and listen to Nora who tells us about her vision of leadership, how she juggles being a mom and a CEO and what's next for her and for misery. I grew up in a family of jewelers. So I'm actually a third generation in my family to work in jewelry. So you could say it's in my blood. Um, I've always loved being around around it, seeing the jewelry, seeing the jewelry made, seeing people buy it, but I actually never thought I'd be in the category working in it. So I studied industrial engineering. I was very mm-hmm. much into math and science and physics in school, so I thought I was going to be a scientist or something like that. So I studied industrial engineering um, and uh, I moved to Canada. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I was brought, uh, brought up in Jordan, so I moved to Canada about 10 years ago um, because I wanted to pursue my MBA and get some international experience. Mm-hmm. So I was very much focused on business, science, um, wasn't really sure where I wanted to go. Um, and I was working in consulting for about five years, so in, in process improvement, continuous improvement types mm-hmm. initiatives. Great. Um, and then I decided, you know, I've always had this passion for fine jewelry. I've been looking at the industry for a while and nothing has been changing ever since I was a child. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you want to paint a picture of the industry, the way that I saw it is it's, um, it's, uh, fine jewelry is always thought of as an unattainable purchase. Yeah, it's yeah. sort of an occasional once a year type purchase and mm-hmm. a lot of gifting and a lot of marketing for men to buy for women. Yes. Uh, so that's when I thought, you know, Millennials are making their own buying decisions. Um, they really don't have to wait for men to buy them jewelry, essentially. And so that's where we wanted to create a brand for women. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's targeted for women all the way from product design to photography to content. Everything is about the end consumer. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and basically, we wanted to create a direct-to-consumer brand to achieve all of the efficiencies in the supply chain so that women can really... Um, purchase jewelry for themselves without any guilt mm-hmm. um, and that's where it started so really something that's in the back of my mind since I was a child <laughs> and when you were dreaming of like that jewelry brand or jewelry company did you have an idea at the time that it would target women specifically as consumers like is that something you knew already as like a young child as a young child obviously just looking you know I love jewelry mm-hmm. and I was looking at it but as I grew and I was looking at what what do I purchase what do my yeah, friends right. purchase it's more yeah. of that's when I got yeah. the click as 
um, you know, there is nowhere that I would go to buy jewelry for myself uh, mm-hmm. and somewhere where it feels like an experience that is really targeted towards me. Exactly. Um, rather than sort of typically, you know, mom and pop shop or, or big jewelry brands, there's yeah. that intimidation when you walk in for whether it be a product knowledge or the sales process yeah. or even the products and the price points. So I wanted to remove all of these barriers mm-hmm. and really create something exciting. Yeah. Um, we always say we want to redefine luxury and mm-hmm. we want to make luxury a habit. Um, we work very hard. Everyone works hard. Everyone has, you know, um, invests their time in, in, in careers and what have you. And so we want to treat ourselves mm-hmm. and, and we want to create that opportunity for women to do that. Mm-hmm. And let's talk a little bit about, so your third family, uh, third generation in your family to be in the field of jewelry. Yeah. So what was it like growing up with a, a family of jewelers and what did they kind of instill in you? Like how, what was their, their vision for the world of jewelry? And did, did they, did your parents even want you to go into jewelry or were you, were they pushing you to do something else? So my father is the one that has, was heavily involved in the business. And so there's so much that I've learned from my father. Um, he ran a, a, a traditional, uh, jewelry business. And mm-hmm. so there are some nice things about traditional jewelry businesses Absolutely. too, which is he was very, very uh, particular about the quality of the product, where he buys the product. So he would fly, um, to Italy, to Belgium, uh, would buy you know the diamonds himself mm. and make sure everything is is perfect. So and then customer service. So he was uh, client facing and building relationships with customers. Even though he had a team, but mm. he was always there. Mm-hmm. Um, that taught me how important it is to educate customers, to be close to them, uh, to create relationships, um, uh, to to really make sure that the product is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, those things would we would never substitute no matter right. what and yeah. so that was very important to me uh, when we started Majuri and we always say the customer experience is really really important and mm-hmm. it's an area that we heavily invest in mm-hmm. um, so that's something that I, that I that I learned from him and growing uh, growing up around jewelry it's funny it's like uh, you know you you learn you know the, the language like mm-hmm. this is an S like I remember going out with my father and my father would have people would come and ask him, what do you think of this diamond? Like, yeah, 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 yeah. you know? <laughs> uh, so in these social settings, and so it's always been very interesting to me that I knew the, the colored stones, the diamonds, I knew the terminology, mm-hmm. I knew some of the, the production process. So it kind of gave me a bit of comfort as well to venture out. Mm-hmm. One other thing that I always say, you know, growing up in a family of entrepreneurs also sets you up to understand that it's not an easy ride. Yes, yes. You see the ups and downs, mm-hmm. um, and so you kind of prepare yourself because it's not going to be a straight line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And speaking of that, did you have any role models, and maybe outside of your family, or maybe it's other family members, but who were you admiring, or who was an inspiration for you? Um, I. Or it could be today too. Yeah. Role models. Honestly, there's a lot of people who inspire me. I keep my eyes open. There's. The, there's not one person that I can point to, but I can tell you right now, looking at all of these direct-to-consumer uh, mm-hmm. brands that are led by amazing women, mm-hmm. for example, Bumble is, is yeah. not necessarily a direct-to-consumer brand, but really amazing community, super mm-hmm. engaged, very empowering. The values of the company are amazing. Mm-hmm. 
looking at Glossier's community and, yeah. and what Emily Weiss is doing, there is a lot of people to admire out there. Yeah. Um, I, I I always, you know, I'm always on the lookout to on, on what they're doing. Mm. Yeah. And did you have me when you were younger, were there any women who inspired you to, you know, to have a career in business and kind of build your own brand? I think one of the things that really worked out in my favor is that my mother was very much uh, nurturing and so she would, um, you know, whatever I wanted to do, she would encourage me. Okay, okay. Um, she had her entire support. Exactly. So even she was a stay-at-home mother, she was dedicated towards us, uh, but she was always pushing me to, uh, you know, pursue your career and uh, find your passion mm -hmm. and um, you want to go into engineering, sure, go into engineering. Some people may think it's sort of like you know, male focused type of career, but mm. she's like, that's what you love, go for it. Mm -hmm. So I didn't realize how impactful that is until I actually started the company and started realizing how did I get all of this courage? Mm. And I think she took, she was a big part of that. Mm -hmm. That's great. <laughs> yeah. um, and then let's talk about when you decided to launch Missouri. So was that something that happened? You, you said you already were thinking about a brand that would cater to women specifically and for consumers who resembled you and you know modeled after what you knew you were looking for so tell me about the first steps in setting up the business um the first step so i was working still as a consultant and doing majority on the side okay. um so it was a pretty heavy schedule i bet yeah and then uh, my husband so my husband and i actually worked together and so he said you know let's put all of our energy into it and mm -hmm. so i i left my job and i focused on it and he continued to work at the time Um, and as part of this, we knew we wanted to build a very big business and we, we wanted to, to, to go fast. Mm. Um, and so we made a decision that we're going to go through the venture capital route as yeah. opposed to sort of the self-funded. Right. So when we uh, decided to do a direct-to-consumer brand, we hired our creative director who's still uh, now on board, Justine, and our CTO. Um, and we went to Montreal, we were accepted as part of a business accelerator called um, uh, Founder Fuel, which is part yes. of Real Ventures. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so that's where we launched, actually. Mm. So we were part of that. From the beginning, we said, you know, we're going to go the venture route. Um, we launched out of Founder Fuel and about, I want to say, eight months after 500 startups uh, from, from San Francisco reached out to us through one of our contacts. and. Mm. And we got into 500 startups, which was also a turning point because it just gave us a different perspective. We moved to, um, Justine and I moved to uh, San Francisco mm -hmm. um, and getting exposed to how things are done over there. Mm -hmm. And, you know, uh, the pace uh, that companies uh, grow at over there was That's really amazing. amazing. Yeah. yeah. So I stayed there for about uh, six months and I uh, raised our seed round, which was one of the most difficult uh, rounds to raise for. You're right. Um, because you you know in seed you don't have so much to show for exactly you, know, you have your dream yeah you have your personality you have a little bit of traction yeah but you don't have years of no. experience in the business yet no and so it, it took us some time to convince people to back us and uh, um, and so we we got our first million um, and then you know heads down focused on the business yeah. really building um, a community really staying true to ourselves and that's I think one of the things that helps us as a, as a company we take decisions based do they match our values do they yeah. are they uh, do they match our transparency uh, it's not about making a quick dollar to be honest with you it's about building a sustainable and brand that's going to last the test of time right 
So we put our heads down and kept uh, you know, working heavily on it. And then we raised our Series A in 2017 mm-hmm. from Felix, which is, um, it's led by Felix, which is very much brand focused uh, mm-hmm. fund out of the UK. Yeah. Um, and most recently we closed our Series B of 23 million from NEA, Felix, and uh, yeah. we also had uh, Imaginary that's led by Natalie Messonet. Yes. Um, on board, so we're we're very congratulations. Much, thank that, you. That's an amazing accomplishment. Thank you, you so much. You can be really proud. Yeah, we're very grateful and excited about the next steps. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so at any point, this is interesting because since going choosing to go the VC route, you obviously had success, even though that first round may have been more difficult. You had a lot of success in yeah. raising funds and then delivering on on your vision and on your strategic plan. Yeah. At any point, did you find yourself? Uh, facing any obstacles when you were in that room trying to convince you know investors to put money in and did you ever feel like you were and being a young woman you know at the head of the business were, were there any specific obstacles that you faced absolutely that? honestly uh, I had a lot of no's especially in the in the seed funding but I think and I think we were I was expecting that walking into the process it, it made it a little bit easier not a lot easier mm-hmm. um, one thing that's really tough is most VCs are men, yeah. um, at least for my seed round. I was pitching right. a lot of uh, men VCs, and so trying to tell them about the jewelry industry yeah. um, <laughs> is, is not really the most exciting thing for them. Yeah, yeah. tech's a little easier for them to understand. Absolutely. Tech, AI, you know, I yeah. had a lot of competition. Um, so that was not easy for me to convince them. They're not the end user. They yeah. barely buy it. They, they think it's a very crowded industry. They don't yeah. understand the mechanics. So... I went back and I started sort of understanding that I need to have an educational portion in my pitch okay. about the industry itself, yeah. about the mechanics of it. Interesting. Um, and also nothing trumps building relationships with people. So really mm. building relationships with these investors and showing them that, that I can deliver over time. Right. Um, because the reality of the matter, it's, a, it's not, I guess, was not a super sexy category mm-hmm. uh, for them to look at. And mm-hmm. so I had a lot of notes in the beginning. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and tell me about how, because that the whole vision for the brand really is uh, around women as, as self-purchasers and as you mentioned, the rest of the industry. And I would know, having spent almost 10 years in the jewelry industry, um, the industry is very much shaped around you know men buying gifts for women, yeah. although we know the tables have turned and consumers are proving it to us every day. Yeah. So tell me about how you kind of... Um, uh, well, tell me about the strategic vision behind Misery and the customer that you're trying to target. So it's honestly, it's pretty simple. If we look around us, it's like you said, the tables have turned and, and women are in leadership positions. They're making their own money. They're yeah. buying decisions mm-hmm. and things have changed uh, a lot. I even see my friends. I see myself. I, I don't really need the permission to buy my, something for myself mm-hmm. or wait for it. And exactly. so it was... It was something that is natural. Why doesn't it exist was the question. It's more Exactly, why, yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so I remember the first video I did for the company, I, I, I said the sentence is, we don't want women to wait for men to buy them jewelry. Right. And so we're going to create this entire brand yeah. around that premise. Yeah. 
Um, and so we're happy to see that 80% of our transactions are from women mm. buying either for themselves or, or for, for their, a gift. Yeah, yeah for they're still or, gifting. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. we do welcome men. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, like, obviously. Yeah, yeah, but it doesn't mean so the end user is a woman. So yeah. why create the brand around men? Create exactly. it for women. Yeah. And to to me, it's so obvious. Yeah. But it's interesting that it took a long time for yeah you for, know the investment community and other other jewelry brands to see it. Yeah. So I'm very very excited about that. And now 80% also of our team is women so there's uh we're very mm. very passionate about empower empowering women in the workplace empowering yeah. and i'm a recent uh, you know i recently had uh, babies and so i'm really focused also on how do we create a culture and a company that is very much um, empowering also parents so right. men and women yeah. um to to not have to give up their career or to mm. they don't have to choose really that you can have the cake and eat it too <laughs> right and i'm sure that's something that you try to instill in the co- in, in the company as well you've mentioned uh, having a lot of women in the in, in the office and around the table so tell me a little bit about your vision for leadership and in having you know that team behind you working on the success of Mijuri, tell me about your approach and in, in working with them and mentoring them yeah i honestly um I love our team since the beginning. I think of them as a family and we're growing fast, but I still, you know, I was away for a few months and a lot of people joined the company and mm-hmm. I will, I am making sure that I'm meeting one-on-one with every single person. I think leadership to me is really being able to inspire people mm-hmm. um, and energizing them, motivating them, giving them the power to achieve things and uh, being clear in terms of goals. Mm-hmm. One of the things that's important to me is also being a really good leader during tough times yeah. um, because uh, in those times when you need someone to make a decision, um, you know, I'm there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm also doing the work with them. Mm-hmm. Um, so I I've, I was fortunate enough to have leaders uh, before I joined, before I started Majuri, um, who were amazing. My manager was great and I absorbed mm-hmm. a lot of, you know, his uh, leadership mm-hmm. um, before I started the company. Um, and so that that was, and I also saw my father go to work every single day, um, spend twelve hours at work, uh, be there with the team. So it's not hands off. Yeah, um, yeah. And I think one of the things that really makes people happy at Majuri is the fact that we empower them. We're not micromanagers. Mm. No one's encouraged to be a micromanager. That's and great. And so innovation happens when you bring amazing people and you give them the tools and you yeah. tell them go. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's great. Um, and then tell me about your definition of success. And I'm curious to know if I had asked you the same question five or ten years ago, would the answer have been different? Uh, probably yes. So I'm, you know, uh, success right now to me is setting a goal mm-hmm. that matches your lifestyle mm-hmm. and matches what you dream of mm-hmm. and achieving that goal. Okay. Um, in the past, I think I would have thought, you know, how do I become the most successful person in the you know in the eyes of society is it whether be it monetary or powerful or what have you that's what you know what we are ingrained with in terms of success Mm -hmm. but as i you know as i matured and i as i've been through the humbling experience of building a company at the end of the day achieving happiness trumps everything and Mm -hmm. so what is your happiness tied to for me i love for example building the company uh, for the sake there's so many reasons why i i love building the company whether it be it, uh, providing job opportunities it makes me very proud every mm-hmm. day to walk in and see people are happy and and people you know can go to their families and there's they're comfortable and they're, they have stable jobs um building an amazing community 
um, doing something that I love really mm-hmm. is is what I realized um, at the end of the day is successful for me. Mm-hmm. I spend so much time at work, so I'm yeah. really happy that I'm able to create something that I love. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think whether you choose to be a stay-at-home mom, if that that's what makes you happy, then that is absolutely amazing. Then mm-hmm. you're successful. Mm-hmm. And speaking of that, let's talk about balance a little bit. So you're obviously CEO of a company, and you you know you're really in a in a rapid growth phase. So I know how all encompassing that is. It's not a nine to five job, and you're a new mom as well. How do you stay grounded amidst all of this? In, in, in this busy <laughs> life that you're leading yeah so I had twins four months ago today they turned four months thank yeah. you <laughs> uh, so it's uh, I'm not gonna lie it's pretty challenging and I'm yeah. trying to figure it out and there are days when I'm like I just want to stay with them yeah um, luckily so there's so luckily my husband is my partner in life and my partner in the business so Fantastic. we're able to mm-hmm. he's very very supportive so mm-hmm. everything is split equally okay um and also the team has been uh, we've built a team that's uh, self-sustaining call it so mm. uh, i was able to step back and spend time with the babies without feeling that things are going to fall apart right um and i think that's huge uh, mm-hmm. for me that made me feel we've built something successful and you know um it's very very important when you're building a company to be able to have processes and structures in place that don't rely on one person yes um so I don't know the perfect answer because I'm still trying to figure yeah. it out. Some days are very difficult. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not going to lie. Um, but in my mind, I always say to myself, it's doable. Mm-hmm. And I'm just going to make it happen. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> um, I, lo- I had, oh yes, okay. Um, you've built, obviously the whole brand experience around Missouri is, is, is very strong. Like the platform really... Um, you have a, a unique positioning in the market that comes across very, that comes across very clearly, and um, I think you're you're using digital channels uh, uh, quite a bit with a strong presence on social media, but finding a way to convey kind of that authentic experience about the brand, which is very much a result of your strategic vision, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd love to know about and and you know, speaking about staying grounded and, and, and finding balance in life. I'd love to hear about your relationship with social media. My personal relationship with social media is, um, yeah, it's interesting. So I'm not very much out there mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, because I think I've, uh, I'm generally a private person yeah. um, since I was young. Mm-hmm. And uh, not that I'm shy or anything, I'm, I would consider myself outgoing, but maybe... Um, I'm working on being more out there, I have to say, mm-hmm. um, but uh, I've invested so much energy into Majuri mm-hmm. and Majuri being Majuri social media yeah. and working with the team that I feel fulfilled through it, if okay. that makes sense. So it's the brand that's yeah. speaking on your behalf. Speaking on my behalf. I do realize that I need to be more out there, um, but it's also finding the balance at the end of the day. Yeah. There's so many things that are um, you know, on my plate right now, and mm-hmm. it's really finding the... Um, the best way to approach this in an authentic way because yeah. um, I really don't want it to be manufactured I want it yeah. to be very natural to who I am mm-hmm. and if it's gonna take me a little bit more time uh, to get there then then I'm gonna pace That's myself okay. yeah. yeah and from a brand standpoint so how do you approach that image and, and that tone of voice that you want the misery brand to have on platforms and I think one of the reasons 
that women consumers are connecting so well with the brand is the way you know the the how you come across on yeah. on digital channels including social media largely it's a pretty simple rule we always say if you don't say this sentence or the these words uh, or this idea to your friend then mm. then don't don't write it don't write it post. Yeah. and uh, we're we think of ourselves as our customer's friend, maybe yeah. a little bit uh, more of a subject matter expert on jewelry, mm-hmm. um, but we're not speaking at them, we're talking with them and we're building a community and it's a two-way conversation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. <laughs> um, I'd like to know about your sources of inspiration. So obviously you are a design-focused company and with jewelry you're always reinventing uh, your products and always coming out with new ideas and I'm sure you have a fantastic team, but as, as the CEO and kind of you know chief strategist for, for the brand, um, what are what inspires you on a daily basis? So in terms of products specifically, for example, the product lines, it's really women around us. How yeah. do they live their life? So we think of the product sometimes from a usability standpoint. Mm-hmm. So I'll give you an example. In the summer, we know we go to the beach, um, uh, you swim, and so we, we tend to focus on 14 karat a lot in the summer. Okay, yeah. Um, and so how are women essentially going to use the products? Um, uh, people who inspire us on social media. Uh, it's funny, I get random pictures from uh, Justine, our creative uh, director of like a building or architecture. I'm like, what is that? She's like, Did you, do you see that corner? That looks amazing. And uh, it inspires us in terms of, you know, shapes and, and, and um, geometry. Uh, so we, drive, we draw our inspiration from everywhere, from to be honest. Places. Yeah, so the way people live, the way our consumers use the products, their styles, um, what you know personalization is important for us yes, individuality yeah. personalization yeah. Um, and then architecture um, nature there's everywhere um, we keep our eyes open mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> what kind of feedback and I'm, I'm just curious because your family is obviously in jewelry so what was their reaction when you first came out with the brand and when they see what you've built today um, they're extremely proud right mm-hmm. now obviously in the beginning a little yeah. bit skeptical <laughs> uh, so you proved them wrong i proved them whoever wrong. was skeptical yeah they were okay until i quit my job and they're like are you sure <laughs> like you're taking a very big step here um but i think uh, you know i think they right now they're pretty proud of what's what's going mm. on and what we've built and uh, they see it uh, also firsthand and how yeah. things are changing in the market so mm. they completely understand yeah yeah that makes sense yeah um for women who would be interested in following your footsteps, build, you know, building a, a product brand, even if it's not in jewelry, what would be your top advice to them? Um, it, there's there's a lot that I can uh, say here, mm-hmm. but I think um, never get disconnected from your customer, mm-hmm. uh, and not, and don't think you're gonna get it right uh, from the first uh, try, and mm-hmm. it's okay, and so. Um, Go to the market, um, try to understand uh, what what's working, what's not working, mm-hmm. uh, continuously fix what's not working mm-hmm. and double down on what's working. I know it sounds e- easier said than done, but it's really, really important not to create a product or a brand that is disconnected from your community. Yeah. We have so many tools right now, Instagram, we, ha- we use text with our customers. Mm-hmm. There's so much that we can do to talk to them directly and yeah. really get their feedback. Mm-hmm. Um, and build, You, we're at a time when you can build your your brand with your customers mm-hmm, um, and mm-hmm. have that continuous uh, feedback loop right so i would say uh, i would say be open to to always evolving okay 
That's good advice. <laughs> Thank you. Is there a book that you read at one point, could be a movie as well, but is there a book that deeply influenced you or marked you? Yeah, that's a that's a good question. Um, I think so at a certain point when I was growing up, I'd say university years, mm -hmm. uh, I was making a conscious decision to sort of take control of my thought process to be more positive okay. and to, uh, to try to call it determine my destiny, if that makes sense. Yeah. So I remember I read The Alchemist by Paolo mm -hmm. Coelho. Yeah. Um, and it's it's such a nice story and it's it just reframes your your mind to follow your dreams and you know what you're set out to do you're gonna find it you're gonna find your passion and just mm -hmm. double down on it and mm -hmm. I think um, I've worked hard to sort of continue to shift my mentality towards that and mm -hmm. I remember it was one of those early books that I read in that area mm -hmm. and, and that's a very inspiring one I, yeah. I would agree um, if we went back in time, she could go back in time, you know, 10, 15 years, whatever it is, is there something you would change, something you would do differently, knowing what you know now? Yeah. Oh. Could be personal or professional. So, luckily, I always ask myself this question. Luckily, I don't have major regrets. Mm -hmm. But if I would go back to myself, I would... Uh, you know, younger self, I would worry less. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think, uh, yeah, worry less is really, really, uh, I, I always wanted to be, you know, for a student, the first, the yeah. top of class, and, and, and you realize, you know, that's not necessarily the most important thing exactly, in the world. Yeah, yeah. Um, and on, on another, while building the business, I, I was really focused on it, and I, I didn't travel a lot, and I love traveling, and I just realized uh, how much I love it, so mm -hmm. I... I still have the opportunity to, but I would have traveled and explored more, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And if we fast forward in time, so 15, 20 years from now, looking back, what's the one thing you'll be the most proud of? Um, on, on, a, on a personal side is really uh, probably uh, having a, creating an amazing life for my twins and ha and and raising two amazing girls um, who will inspire people mm -hmm. and who will help people and um, uh, hopefully live a very happy life. Um, on the career side, um, it would be a dream come true um, for Majuri to be a global brand, mm -hmm. seeing it everywhere and impacting uh, lives of people who work within it and mm -hmm. even people, whoever comes in touch with it positively. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I always sometimes hear comments that, you know, fashion is not necessarily, you know, a superficial industry or what have you. But when you think about it, running a business and creating a business is you're employing so many people, you're impacting Absolutely. so many people's lives. Yeah. And, and fashion is a huge industry that's doing that, so, and jewelry, and so really creating an amazing place for people to work at and to be part of that community, I think it's something that is, um, that makes me proud, mm -hmm. and I, I hope that it has a large impact. Mm -hmm. Is there something that you wish women would do more of? Yes. <laughs> Maybe I, buy more jewelry, obviously. Buy more jewelry. <laughs> but other than that. <laughs> I think uh, I think we can support each other more. Mm, uh, I have to, yeah, I yeah. have to be honest here. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think there there tends to be more competition sometimes between women, yeah. and I think we, uh, and I understand the, the dynamics of where it came from because there's been a lot of you know uh, dynamics that are unfair potentially in the workplace uh, previously and limited opportunities for women. Mm -hmm. But I think right now we're at a point where we have the power and 
we have the power to also lift other people up and yeah. I think we really have to uh, support each other. Yeah, it's very interesting because I was having a discussion with someone this morning and also um, a recent guest on a podcast where, and the, the recent guest was someone who works in, in, in a big law firm and she's a senior partner and she was talking about how she knew going into the law, you know, the business of law that yeah. um, it's known that there's harassment in the workplace and it's a male-dominated industry, so it's kind of par for the course and you go into it accepting it's going to exist. Yes. But what she wasn't prepared for was competition, jealousy from women colleagues Yes. and senior women who made her life very difficult when she started. And yeah. I feel that we still see that. Um, I witnessed it in a corporate world for a long time as well. And it's really, it's really unfortunate because um, in we've come a long way when it comes to women's rights and female empowerment, but there's still that element, and I think it comes from scarcity. It comes from women being afraid that there's not, you know, enough spots for exactly. every woman at the table, exactly. and that we have to fight for yeah. scraps of attention from men, whether they're romantic partners or employers, yeah. or yes, and it's that's a tough one to crack. It is a tough one, and I think it trumps everything. Like we should definitely like join forces and yes. and, and work on it. And it's, uh, um, you know, I've had a lot of help from uh, from men and sometimes opposition from women, and mm. that made me realize, you know, I I don't want to be like that, and especially also after becoming a a mother and just realizing how other mothers are treated in the workplace and they think you know are they going to be focused mm-hmm. uh, are they going to be you know distracted and now I'm like I'm not distracted mm-hmm. you know I want to support other women to yeah. have a full life to have uh, children and also have a fulfilling career it's doable mm-hmm. it's interesting to another recent podcast guest was talking about so she founded what's become the biggest PR agency in the UK in the world of fashion beauty lifestyle and she said, and she's been saying this for a long time, so she was kind of a precursor in this idea. In this area, she was saying, I bring my mom's skills to the workplace, and I'm proud of it. Yeah. Being nurturing and caring and supporting, yes. you know, employees the same way I support my children is actually a good thing. I, I agree, 100%. I think women have a high level of EQ. You can under, yeah. you can read the room better, mm-hmm. um, and we can use it to our advantage. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do you find that becoming a mom has changed the way you approach leadership um i think i'm i might be you're right i might be a little bit softer um i've always thought of my team i've always had mother they make fun of me i've always had these motherly uh, <laughs> instincts <laughs> instincts with them and um especially you know early early team members who i i was with uh, for a long time they always make fun of me you should have kids you should mm. have kids um <laughs> But I think it what it helped me is bring a different perspective. I think what's helping me actually the most is now my time is is even more scarce. And yeah. so how can I focus on the right things in the mm. business? I think that's the most um, mm. help that I'm getting from having kids. So <laughs> identifying priorities because you know your time is so precious. Yeah. So I had the luxury to stay in the office until 9 p.m., 10 right. p.m., uh, but now I have to go back yeah. to this bedtime and all that. Um, and so it's forcing me to really think what is the best use of my time mm-hmm. and how can I support the company in the best way possible with this amount of hours. Mm, that's really interesting. I yeah. like that. <laughs> um, what's next for Majuri and what's next for you, Nora? Um, we are dreaming big. So we really are thinking of uh, building a global jewelry brand. So for us right now, we're focused on retail and IRL experiences. Mm. Um, so we're... We're really doubling down on that channel, and mm-hmm. we're also thinking of our international expansion. Yeah. Um, 
and I can't wait. I can't wait to start implementing and um, you know conti- continue to really build uh, the company outside and the culture inside as well. Mm, that's great. <laughs> and for you personally, um, for me, it's um, I think finding the perfect balance, uh, which I hear it's it's mission impossible, but I think it's you know my my challenge right now is finding. The balance between my family and my business, all exciting things, um, but challenging at the same time. And uh, I think that's that's my number one mission right now. Mm. <laughs> and to finish, is there a quote or a saying that you like to repeat maybe just to yourself, you know, in, in your voice or something that you tell others repeatedly? Um, I think what I say to myself a lot is things happen for a reason. Mm-hmm. So that really helps me shape my perspective and not not quit. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really do believe that. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Nora. These were my questions. It was thank great you. chatting with you today. Thank, thank you for you. coming on the Brian's Female. Thank you so much. I had a great time. <laughs> I really hope you enjoyed today's episode and if you did, as always, please subscribe, rate and review. I'll be back next week with a new guest. Thank you so much for tuning in to The Brand is Female.